there's a lot of reflection that comes in the month of October for this church naturally. Uh, we're in the month that 12 years ago began the journey that has been Four Points Church. And so at the end of this month, on October the 29th, we're going to celebrate God's faithfulness and His work through us for 12 years. Yeah, yeah, we can... <laughs> caught on there. It's like a slow ripple. Uh, 12 years. 12, 12 years of, of ministry in this community that God has blessed us with. And it, it's been an incredible and challenging at times journey that God has brought us on. And so normally it would be my joy as the pastor of this church for the last two of those 12 years to say, open your Bible and let's study a passage of scripture together. And we would get to dive into a book or a chapter that we're spending a significant amount of time studying. And next week, it's going to be my joy to do that with you. We're going to open up the Bible. We're going to uh, look at the story of Joshua and Caleb and the 12 spies in the land. And I'm going to have so much fun unpacking that in our Next Door series as we look at the faith steps and the potential of what God is going to do perhaps in our time and in our life together. But today, uh, I want to take you on a little bit of a trip through the history of our church, and I want to talk about the uncommon work that an uncommon God has done in and through Four Points Church. So, yeah. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to think back. If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're not, and that's great. If you're not, we're glad you're here. We're excited that you've come to learn and hear more about who Jesus is, and you're welcome here. With questions, doubts, uncertainty, we mean that. You're absolutely welcome here. But for a lot of you, you have a relationship with God, and you've had a mile marker moment. So you know what I mean when I say there are a few times in your life where it's not that it's more special or unique. It's just you remember it. It's just a moment where something changed, where God moved in a unique way, and it set up a foundation that now in your present, you look back onto it to be reminded of God's faithfulness in your past. And so how many of you have had or can recall a mile marker moment in your life? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I was a freshman at Anderson University. I had only gone to Anderson. I didn't even know Anderson existed. Uh, until my senior year of high school, and I got a piece of mail inviting me to walk onto the basketball team at Anderson University, and that was the first time that I'd ever had heard of it. I was going to go to College of Charleston because they had a five-to-one girl-to-guy ratio at the time. Uh, you got to go where your chances are higher, uh, and 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 there, I wanted to be a surfer, which I which is dumb, but nonetheless. These are my collegiate reasons for higher education. And so whenever I was given the opportunity to play basketball, which was a sport that I loved, uh, I thought, why not? And, and, and so I went to Anderson, and I did potluck, and I had a guy, a roommate, that had dreadlocks. And I don't know if you've ever lived with someone with dreadlocks, but this roommate with his dreadlocks decided that the way that he would dry his hair all year is he would come out of the shower, and he would stand in the middle of our room, and he would shake his dreadlocks, <laughs> which meant... All of my stuff dreaded that moment because literally, you get the pun, that was a dad joke, uh, because it was covered in his stuff. And it was just a rough year. And so my uh, sweet mates invited me to an FCA. And to get away from that moment of the night when he would walk in and shake his head, I went to FCA. And I've grown up in church. And I've heard all kinds of sermons in church. I've, I've taken some of the best naps of my life in church. I... <laughs> I, I, I've, I've, you know, just endured a lot. My dad was a music director. My mom was the children's director. I was always in 
church. When I was sick, we were still going to church. That's the kind of parents I had. How many of you had sickness is not an excuse, go worship the Lord parents? Anybody have those? Yeah. My parents weren't worried about anybody else. They were just going to make sure that Jesus got into me because apparently there was a lot of not Jesus coming out of me during the week. So I was always in church growing up. I knew the rules of the faith. I had memorized scripture. I had taught Sunday school class. If you were to ask me, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus? I would have answered defiantly, yes, and then pointed to all of my accolades and all the great things that I had done for the Lord that proved that I am a follower of Jesus. However, at that FCA, on that night in Merritt Theater at Anderson University, I went from talking about Jesus to meeting him and everything changed. It was a mile marker moment in my life. I've never gotten over it. I have never forgotten it. I was a moral person who knew the right way of living and didn't live that way the majority of my life, but I at least knew what I was supposed to be doing. And on that night, it went from being about morals to about a relationship with Jesus. And I know you've heard that in Christian circles, but I'm telling you, there is nothing like the presence of God. When, when you experience God's presence for the first time and it moves from an idea or I need to be a better person or I've got to self-improve myself so I can be acceptable to God to, wow. And I don't know how else to describe the presence of God. It, 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 it stops you in your tracks. It, it, it brings you whether you are an expressive person or not, it brings you to your knees. It brings you to a point where you have to do something. Like, like There is just something so uncommon about the presence of God. And what I want you to know is that we don't have a story of 12 years of us being an uncommon people who have done a great work in our community. We have a 12-year track record story of an uncommon God who has showed up and done things that we cannot explain apart from Him. Like... What we are, what we are becoming, who we are today as a faith fellowship is because there is an uncommon God who has intersected our story in every season and in every chapter and in every week and in every gathering and in every ministry. And as a result of it, in spite of our best efforts to work against it at times, God has faithfully done an uncommon work at this church. But let me be very clear. I do not want to brag about the accolades of Four Points Church. I want to brag on the uncommon work of a powerful God that has faithfully worked in our life and in our ministry. Um, we serve an uncommon God. The scriptures profess this truth very clearly. One of many people in this room's favorite text is the text in Isaiah chapter 40 where we're lifted up on the wings of eagles. And we like to quote that. But in Isaiah chapter 40, before you get to that, this comes into play. It says this in verse 25. To whom will you compare me to? To whom do you compare me? I want you to think about that. I want you to think about everyone you know. Uh, the most powerful, the most talented, the most educated. Uh, the people that you want to be around. I want you to think about the greatest of humanity. And then I want you to ask yourself this question. Who is even close to being like God? Who has even come close to what it's like to stand in the presence of God, even for just a moment? Have you ever met anyone that is comparable or even comes close? Anything, any experience, any achievement that could come close to the greatness of a moment when you realize that you're standing in the presence of Him. To whom will you compare to me? Who is my equal? That's the question. 
I want to submit to you that there is nothing and no one like the presence of God. For some of you, you've never stood in his presence. You've never experienced his power in a palpable, in a real way. But what I want you to know is that there is nothing like that moment when you realize who God is and that you're standing before a God that is close and near like him. The question goes on to explain. He, the Holy One asks the question, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single star is missing from the sky. You don't think about the stars. You don't think about their place. You don't think about their creation. You don't think about what keeps them going. Yet, the scriptures profess that there is a God who spoke into nothing, and by his very words into that nothing, everything that is anything that has come into existence came into existence by the power of that word. Who will you compare to our God? Whose word does what God's word does whose power sets cosmos in place sets entire star chains in place whose word whose work can compare to the god who has done that and then to continue to give you this idea that we serve an uncommon god because for some of you maybe in your mind he's become pretty common because you've not experienced his power lately or weekly or whatever it is that's going on in your life i want to remind you of one of my favorite psalms because psalm Eight speaks to the majesty of God, and then it speaks to this mystery of the way in which God has chosen to work. Look at what it says. Our Lord, our God, our, O Lord, our God, your majestic name, it fills the earth. Now, some of you are like, well, I don't hear a lot of God being praised in my community. But the scriptures teach us that if we cease to praise, the very rocks in creation will cry out in worship to God. Because what we may be blind to, creation is not blind to, and they cannot get over the creator and his majesty and his wonderful works. So just keep that in mind. You have taught children, uh, excuse me, it fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers... The suggestion of the text is that he sets the stars in their place with the flip of his pinky. I love that translation of a text in Job that speaks to this. When you look at the night sky and you see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about? See, this, this, is, this is what's incredible. We serve a God who is not comparable. There is no one like him. There is no one who rivals him. There is no one who equals him. Yet, he still considers you. I want to submit to you that there's no one in power, no celebrity, that you don't have a first-hand relationship that's currently considering you. But you serve a God who created the cosmos, who by his words made light appear and by his word makes light go away. And in all of his majesty, and in all of his power, and in all of his greatness, he is still considered someone like you. Who are you going to compare him to? Who are you going to compare him to? Generations have risen up and chosen to worship idols instead of God. 
and you would think the faith would be lost. I mean, you've got to understand what we're standing in today as a local church is a gathering of 120 or less in an upper room waiting on this next thing that was going to come. And out of this little upper room, there's now a few billion people who profess to be followers of Jesus. It, it, people have tried to snuff his name out, move it from off of the earth, yet in his power he remains a name that is known and this still is the greatest selling book of all time and all of history in spite of hu- history and humanity's best efforts to erase it. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. I think about the 23rd Psalm when I read those verses. Where King David, on the latter half of his life, begins to reflect on the sufficiency of the shepherding of God. He writes the words, the Lord, which is the covenant name of God, which speaks to his magnitude. And he follows it up with, is my shepherd. So he speaks of the name that speaks of the magnitude of God. And then he speaks of the intimacy of a shepherd and a sheep. You see, we have an uncommon God who takes common people and does uncommon work through them. And that's Ben Fourpoint's story. An uncommon God taking a common people and doing an uncommon work for his glory, for his name, and his renown. What's the story of what God has done through a common people that's so uncommon? Well, two people started at a church on the other side of town, feeling like there was a large group of people that were in the category known as least, lost, and lonely. So they stepped out in faith to plant a church that would reach the people in the margins. A church for the people of people who weren't together, where it would be okay for you to not be okay. Now, church language has made that popular, but let me just be honest with you. That is still one of the biggest things we fight and contend for weekly here at this church. You can be here when you're not okay. You can be here when you're broken. You can be in this community and have questions and doubts and anger and frustration. In fact, we're a community of people that no matter what the season of life is, we've just chosen to run at God with it. We run at God when it's going well, and we run at God when it's going wrong. We run at God when we think we're getting it right, and we run at God when we know we're getting it wrong. I mean, we we just are going to keep running at God. That's the aim. That's the ambition ambition of what we're trying to do. So we're an uncommon Uh, We have an uncommon God who's told an uncommon story through our church. Twelve years ago, those two guys stepped out in faith. And with a small group of people, they had the first Four Points worship service ever. And if you're going to reach people who aren't being reached, sometimes you go to uncommon places to reach them. So it started in this place. That's Pizza Inn on 290. And that's what day one looked like for Four Points. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says, the Lord loves to see the work begin. Do not despise small beginnings, for the love lords to see the work begin. It seemed maybe small at the time, but 12 years ago, a small group of people. There's Zach Johnson, one of our elders. That's right there. Uh, there's the Pages, another one of our elders, and his wife Amy right over there. I think I pointed the right person. If not, you know, it looks like his doppelganger. <laughs> it's a small group. You wouldn't think, man, that's going to change the Duncan area, much less send people to the nation's. But God was faithful. And he brought us to another door. After some time of gathering in Pizza Inn on 290, a door opened for us to move to 101. And that first service looked something like this. In 2012. An uncommon God telling an uncommon story kept a church that started in a Pizza Inn alive to bring it to 101. 
And the church continued to grow and recognize needs within our community. Before long, there was a realization there were a lot of people every Thanksgiving that were going without a meal. And so a way that we could practically share the love of Jesus is we could cook a massive Thanksgiving meal for them. So that year, they brought a bunch of turkeys and sides and everything together. And they deep fried turkeys in the building, in the sanctuary. And it took, that's them in our old sanctuary right there. And it took until next 4th of July to get the smell out. (laughs) It was rough. Uh, two Thanksgivings ago, I think it was the record, we, we served over a thousand meals to our community on Thanksgiving. It's been, it's been one of the biggest, I, I don't, I, like, I know the people are blessed that get the food, but if you've never experienced Thanksgiving week at this church, it's one of the funnest weeks of this church because we just get, like, there's like 75 friars in the back and a bunch of good old boys and, and, like, it's just such a fun time. And they're, like, hanging up Christmas stuff all over the place. And it's, it, it's just such a fun week around this church of community where we get to encourage and build each other and practice the one another's with each other up. And it all started back in 2014. God opened more doors. Uh, people started to get really faithful to the command in the Bible for us to be fruitful and multiply. And kids started showing up in droves. And as a result, we needed more room because we had run out of space. And so in 2015, we had an expansion of our kid area. And that added in what was a lot of that wing before we recently renovated it to add even more space. Because you guys keep bringing kids with you to church. But again, an uncommon God brought us to the next door. And we were willing to walk through that door in faith. That was a massive faith step for this church. Financially, it it did not make sense. Uh, the current numbers did not like quantify, yeah, we've got to do it now. But the opportunity came and the door opened and in faith they stepped out and God provided. And as a result of it, we expanded in the kid area. And then, next slide, what do you have? The next door we walked through is our student ministry began to grow in Virgin. And, and he's looking at me, but this is Joe before he started full-time student ministry. <laughs> he could get a nine-to-five job. He, he looks safe. He looks safe. Tattoos and beards and long hair later. Joe, stand up and take a bow. We love you. We love you. <laughs> He's thriving. He's thriving. Uh, don't be deceived. He's trying. He's trying. And God, God began to grow a student ministry that's continued to grow. And like, it's so, I'm so proud of so many of these students. Like Stephen right here is in our college ministry now and is working through a call that he feels the Lord has on him for ministry. Served the Lord in South Dakota this past year. And uh, I'm trying to get him in a centrifuge where he'll go somewhere around the country and teach kids about that. I believe Ashley Rose is up here. Oh, there she is right there. So happy. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Ashley Rosa just moved to Columbia out of that student ministry. Is serving with CEF full-time now, Child Evangelism Fellowship, working with bringing the Bible to local schools and in communities around there. And she came out of our church. God equipped and sent her out of our church. We've got to be a, part, a little part of that story of what God's doing. There's this guy in the middle. We're still praying about him. Uh, he's still here. He's still here. That look, though, um, uh, there was one, oh, uh, Maddie, she's down at Charleston Southern uh, and leading Bible studies in her dorm room, and she's a revival everywhere she goes. Am I missing anybody that I need? I'm missing, where's, all? oh, this is before he started listening to Metallica. Uh, yeah, 
No, you're special. You grew your hair long. You're, it's going to be like Samson. God's been faithful. God's been faithful. That's what I'm trying to get at. Oh, uh, where's Chloe? Oh! See? Just, we could do it all day. Okay. My point, my point is God's been faithful. And we walked through another door. And we got to be a part of raising a generation that's now going out and changing the next generation for the glory of God. Yeah. So around this time, around this time, um, I was in California. And uh, 2020 hit. Um, outside of South Carolina, it was called a pandemic. And uh, I, I can only describe it as it was the most significant season of sifting I've ever had in my life. Uh, it was painful. Um, I had been a pastor of a local church there that had started around the same time as Four Points. God had graciously allowed that church to multiply and grow. We went through, the only thing I know I'll describe is a revival. We baptized 400 plus people over an eight-month period. Um, yeah, and so things were going and going and going and going. And in 2019, my son rolled over at 5 a.m. And he said, bye, Dad, I'll see you tomorrow. And it, you ever have a moment where you think you're in step with God and then you realize, holy cow, I've, I am, like, I've missed it. Like, I was, like, I thought, like, I, like, but I'm not anywhere. You ever had that moment, like, where you're, like, you're shot by it? Like, you're like, it's not like, it's not like you were going to church and then you were in the club with 50 on the weekends. Like, you, you were, like, in church and studying the Word and pursuing Jesus and, and to the best of your ability. And you were seeing the fruit of God in your life. And all of a sudden you realize, man, something's not right. And I don't know how it got wrong, but we are like, like there was like a, a, a fork in the road. And like, I'm like, I'm in Woodruff and I thought I was going to be in Greenville by now. Like we're, we're way off. Anybody been there? He, he, he said that to me and uh, it shook me and my wife, but we didn't think anything of it. We, we went several more months and then we went through the pandemic and then it was tough. And then we felt like we needed to endure and shepherd our church through that tough season. But man, it cost us a lot. And physically, it was like we were ministering and talking about God with no relationship with them because there was nothing coming back. I, I remember at one point in time, I read the Bible in three months. And I'm telling you that because I was desperate to hear from God. And I'm telling you, I read cover to cover and I came out of it just dry and empty. I knew more about his character. I had more to hold on to in my faith and confidence in him. But as far as relationship and sensing his presence, it just was not there. So we started to pray at the end of 2020, going into 2021. God, what, what does this mean? Like, why is the brook dry? Like, why, 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 why? And uh, by 2021, it became very clear, middle of that year, that God was transitioning us. And so we were praying. God, what do you want? And there was a church in Warsaw, Poland. And I was like, yes, the nations, Lord, let's go. And I went to my wife and I said, babe, let's go to Warsaw. She's like, why? And I said, because there's a church of expat Americans and, and we would be right there. Like we'd be butted up to Ukraine and, and right in the middle of, it would be amazing in the ministry opportunities. Let's go to the nations. Our kids are gonna, and she's like, but it'll be different. And I was like, I know. And she, she rolled over one night. She said, babe, no. We're not, we're not going to the nations. I said, what about Australia? Because <laughs> you, you never know. I mean, there's the nations and there's Australia. Kangaroos, koala bears, and great accents. Like, these seem to be qualifiers for a potential move of God. 
And uh, she said, babe, no. And we kept praying, and we kept praying, and we kept praying. And that summer, I had a friend that, that sent me a job listing for a little church on 101 that by the pictures looked really big. And so we're like, oh, you know, maybe uh, the editor at the time was doing a really good job. And so we, we thought on our vacation, you know, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know where we're going. I thought we were going to Charleston, to be honest with you, because, you know, like, Lord, if you're going to move me, could we go coastal? Uh, that's that's kind of where I was. You have not because you asked not. I was asking. Um, and uh, I said, babe, why don't we go and check this little church out on uh, 101? We'll sneak in and sneak out. And here's the problem. There were like 25 people here that day, and there was no sneaking in. You ever been in that experience? You snuck in, and they were like, hey, we'd like to welcome all the first-time guests, and the whole church goes... Welcome. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And so uh, we, we sat right over there. Um, and Shannon and them began to worship. And something weird began to happen. For the first time in about a year, I started feeling the Holy Spirit. And I looked at Morgan. She said, I don't know. I said, me neither. Um, because I, I know this is very carnal of me to say, but I was leading a church that had 28 staff. <laughs> and we were going to have uh, go to a church that had one. <laughs> and I was like, babe, uh, I remember one of my first days, I walked into Austin's office and I said, hey, uh, who does this around here? And he looked at me and said, well, it's either you or it's me. <laughs> He's like, you tell me. Uh, and so we, we, we prayed, and I, I sent an encouraging email to Austin, and he called and said, hey, why don't we get some lunch? And I met he and Zach and sent him my resume around that time, and we, we sat at uh, Boston Pizza Kitchen, and I was so excited. I was like, hey, you guys are talking about a building campaign. He's like, we're not doing that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we started talking about the church, and, and we, we started going back and forth about where they had been and what had been going on and what they had gone through, and they were holding on and trying to figure out what their future was going to look like. And I'm like, man, I can feel the Lord in this. Like, God's doing something. And I'm, I'm trying to, like, restrain myself. But we met. And then like, they call. And they're like, hey, you want to meet our elders? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and so we met. And then I get on the airplane. I get COVID. And I'm going to go back uh, in my mind. And I'm going to go back and lead that church. And this is probably just, I'm glad. I'm going to pray for them. And they'll pray for me. And it'll be great. And uh, I land the plane. And I feel the Lord tell me very defiantly, uh, resign. And I'm like, but Lord, they've not offered anything, and I don't have a job, and like I have a family. And I just, I really, I, I, I felt the Lord tell me physically, you're not going forward, like you're stopping. And so I walked in and I stepped away two years ago from my job, and I didn't know what I was going to do. They called me a couple weeks later, and we were talking, and I, we, I had an interview process. I thought they were going to interview other candidates, and they're like, hey, we want to come hear you preach. And I'm like, well, I'll just resign from the church. <laughs> It was just silence. I never will forget it. It was like I was just sitting in silence for like a minute and a half. And I, I think they're thinking, this guy's so weird. Like he's already like, I was like, no, the Lord just told me I, 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 I'm transitioning. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what we're doing, but we're transitioning. And uh, we kept talking. And uh, uh, last October, I came and preached the 23rd Psalm. Two Octobers ago. Yeah. And... Uh, I needed a good shepherd, and the church needed a good shepherd, and Jesus showed up, and he shepherded us well. Yeah. It was healing. 
don't know if you ever experienced that in ministry and leadership. I would sit and I could feel the Lord ministering to me through you. And it was, it was, my soul was, was dry and it was so healing just to sit and, and, and be refreshed. And, and God walked us through a new next door together and it, it's been crazy to see what God's done. We've been in a season because of an uncommon guy who's told an uncommon story of uncommon growth. Uh, it's been crazy to see what God's done. Uh, let me go to the next slide for me. In our 12 years of ministry as a church, this is what God's done. God has been so good to us. Some of you are those decisions for Christ. Some of you are those baptisms. Some of you gave and you're a part of that ministry, missions, giving. Over the last couple of years, this is what it's looked like. This is the journey we've been on through the next door. As we stepped in together, there were about 304 people in attendance on average on a weekend here in 2021. That jumped 140 people a weekend on, in 2022 on average. That's jumped another 107 people in 2023. Uh, that's not common. Uh, it's caused a lot of chaos, i.e. the parking lot. It's, it's not always convenient to go to church here. It can be a mess. Our systems and structures have not kept up with our growth, and we're trying to do our best to create systems and structures so that you can be equipped for the works of service and ministry that God has called you to be in. But let's just be honest. Like We've had to make some calls, and sometimes things have gotten sketchy. I.e., pull the uh, trunk-or-treat photo up from last year. You got that one? Is it a blessing, or was it a thank God no one died? We did a trunk or treat, a Holy Ghost Winnie roast in our parking lot, and uh, that's a great joke. It's always, it's gold. Uh, 1,600 people showed up, and no one died, thankfully, but it, it, was, it was sketchy. Um, it, in that, our kid attendance has gone through the roof. 83 kids on average in 2021. In 2022, it jumped. In 2023, it jumped, and we had to do a massive renovation on our kid space just to buy some time to figure it out in our growth. It's been crazy to see what God has done. This is a service from this year. Go to another slide. That's Christmas candlelight. Oh, I can't wait. From last year. God has been faithful. God has been good. Amen? So we have a, yeah. We have an uncommon God who's told an uncommon story. And has given us an uncommon season of growth that has led us to an uncommon opportunity next door. Whenever I was coming in, uh, well, actually, let me tell you this. Uh, some of you have heard it, but I was a radio DJ back in the day. I tell you that because I quit when Luke rolled over that morning and said, bye, Dad, I'll see you tomorrow. I was like, I can't do both. i got to stop. So I stopped being a DJ. Well, Fox News called and said, hey, would you call into our radio station and just talk about your sermon every Monday for half an hour. And I said, you understand, I'm a preacher, and I don't think there are, I think there'd be attitudes that disagree with what you would preach on your radio station. And they said, just preach whatever your sermons were, we'll deal with it. And I said, all right. So 
I would call in and I would unpack my sermon from the day prior. And they would ask questions. Well, that grew to them wanting to ask more questions about my view of God and the Bible and politics. And so they started asking me questions about why is our government defunct and why doesn't it work? And one day they had a really prominent senator on the radio and we were in a discussion about our current, uh, the upcoming election that was going to be unifying and bring everyone together and everyone was going to, it's going to be awesome. And we love democracy and each other. Yay. And uh, so it's going to be awesome. And uh, they asked him what was wrong with our government. And he gave basically an answer that said, vote for this new station's paid for political candidates. Um, Every one of them are paid by somebody to do and represent them. So vote for our paid for people and it'll be fixed. And they said, Pastor Russ, 45 seconds, what's wrong with our government? To which I said, the problem with our government is that everyone that has been put into office has been put into a position of having to be absolutely perfect always. So none of them can actually acknowledge when they miss it. And here's the problem. They're humans, and they miss it. They make mistakes. They fall short. And if we can't create a culture and a society where we can acknowledge our wrongs and forgive each other for those wrongs to learn from them and grow, then we cannot have a functioning society or government. That's the problem. To which the senator went... You should go into politics. And they said, we're going to the next one. Which, by the way, I have zero desire to ever do that. And I never want to be a politician. If you are one, glad you're here. Praise God he made you that way. Not me. I say things that would tick people off too much. (laughs) And if you go to my Twitter past, I've probably done something wrong. And it will not work well when it comes back up. So my point is, my point is, here's the deal. Over 12 years, as leaders, we've made mistakes in leading this church. We've fallen short. We've messed up. We've done with the best of our ability uh, through prayer to make decisions that we thought would be wise. And then we've had curveballs that have come our way. Let me give you one of the big curveballs we faced. We had property on the road. We sold it for a pretty good profit because we thought that there was an opportunity to buy this building. It was going to open up significant ministry opportunity for us. We would have tenants that would actually pay the mortgage on the building. And then we would then be able to free up more dollars to give to missions and ministry and other things. It was going to be awesome. It was a killer idea. The land sold. The money funded. The day the money hit the bank account and we were going to talk to the building owner, we heard trucks backing up in the back, bringing in metal to build a building on the backside of the property to which the owner then decided, I'm not wanting to sell. So it put us in a position What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What is our future going to look like? As the church was growing and pushing capacity, we were finding ourselves going, where in the world are we going to go? So we drove from here to Woodruff and from here to Greer and whatever was past Greer. We prayed in every direction, looked in every direction, walked land, prayed over land, asked God for land, and after a year plus had nothing. But we had a conviction. We felt like the Lord had put us in this community and want us to be in this community. Conveniently located to no one and conveniently accessible to everyone. And so we began to pray, God, we believe you want us here. Now how and what that looks like, we have no clue. But Lord, show us the way. And right next door, all of a sudden, this little piece of pizza... You start in a pizza inn, you buy property that looks like a pizza, it's on brand. I'm not saying this is from the Lord, but it takes a lot of faith to say that God's not in the pizza. It's great. I did not realize that. Why didn't we think of this earlier? This is awesome. 
we were able, because of God's goodness and grace and him working through our leadership team, and I'm, I'm very proud of Zach, Austin, uh, Davin Acker, uh, Daniel Pearson, our current elder team. They, they, they have labored and done their best to serve you well. And uh, yeah, yeah, we can honor them. We were able to sell that land and pay cash for this piece of 10-acre property and stash almost $300,000 in our building fund that's still collecting interest currently. Yeah. So we bought a piece of property. And then we knew quickly we needed to get some more smarter people around the table. So we got a campaign team together to help us organize what we knew was going to be a building campaign. Uh, I want to introduce you to them. Uh, This is Kelsey Bridges. She's been a part of our church for an extremely long time. She's helped us in the training and getting, uh, in the, excuse me, in the planning and getting all of our meals that we've been doing leading up to today and us rolling this out to you together. And she's been helping us with a lot of our print material given us lots of feedback on our design, the booklet you have. She had, had a heavy part in that editing and detail. Zach Johnson, who's one of our elders, who's been a part of this project from day one, also a part of Gray Engineering, which comes in very handy that he has a background in engineering for such a time as this. Uh, Amy Page, who's a day oneer as well, uh, who's got so much uh, help with uh, the team and the creative process, what we're doing. Morgan Moxie, uh, who has been helping us in our fundraising and our fundraising planning. Uh, obviously, I'm on the team by default because I have the word senior pastor in front of my name, but I sit there smiling. They tell me what we're doing. And uh, there's Pastor Austin who's done a lot of the design work of the stuff that you're seeing for our next door campaign. So we got a team. We got some land. But then we needed an architect to design something because my uh, paper drawings weren't going to suffice for, what do you think? Uh, so we, we met with architects all over the country. We ended up meeting with Rise Point and settling on them. They're a firm out of Chicago. They're a church-only architect firm. They are church-friendly priced, but they do excellent work. Their designs, we believe, were the best ones that we saw. Concept-wise, they've been the easiest and most incredible team to work with. We're very grateful for them. So we got a campaign team. We got a piece of land. We got an architect, and as we began to talk to them and talk about our needs, this was the initial concept of what they drew up for us. We currently have a 280-seat auditorium. This is a 550-seat auditorium. We're in one of the fastest-growing areas in our state. And if enough people from California keep showing up, it'll be one of the fastest-growing areas in the country. Uh, We welcome you. We're glad you're here. We're here to help you through your PTSD of whatever you went through. What's funny is California's moving to Texas and Florida in larger numbers, but Florida's moving here. So welcome. We're glad you're here. this gives us so much opportunity, 550-seat auditorium, a kid wing that's secure. Because let's just be honest, we've got a lot of sketchy people that come in here that are going to be great once Jesus gets a hold of their life. But right now, they probably shouldn't be walking through our kid hall. So uh, we're, we're excited to have a secure kid wing. It's moving us from 30, uh, around 3,800 square feet of kid space to over 6,000 square feet of kid space. You've got 100, yeah, you've got a 100-seat kid auditorium that our student ministry will be able to use on Wednesday nights. There is a cafe down there that got cropped out a little bit where it'll be a lot more higher functioning in a kitchen, a prep kitchen. Because the anything I've learned is we may not claim that we're Baptist, but we eat like it. Um, it's down there. There's some offices. Uh, take them to another view. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, so it's a proposal moving from 12,000 to 22,000 square feet. Go ahead and go to the next. 
auditorium seating. I did that one. Go to the next one. Nine kid rooms, including a 100-seat large auditorium, 6,800 square feet of kid space versus, I think I said six. Here's an aerial view of what it will look like as far as the facing. you got that major intersection of Barry Shoals that will look right at our church. Yes, we're keeping the pond. Yeah. Four people that are excited to fish. Okay, go to the next slide for me. There's an aerial view. Yeah. Oh, there's 200 parking spots. Which means it'll take at least six months for you to complain about parking. Is there another view there? What we got next? Now the big one. Uh, what does it cost to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? The short answer is that it costs the gospel and it costs Jesus' life and it doesn't cost dollars. But God takes dollars in people's pockets and we get the opportunity to leverage them together so that we can set up embassies, outposts, where saints are equipped, where the gospel is proclaimed, where lives are saved, where marriages are reconciled. It's, it's the space that's created where eternal work is done. That, that's what this is about. So we've done our best. We're not building the, like the, the most incredible and ornate uh, building, but it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be great. Uh, and this is what they're projecting the cost to be. Apparently, there's still supply chains that have issues. And everything got more expensive after the pandemic. I heard that and immediately freaked out. I was like, well, it's good knowing that this could have happened. <laughs> right? Uh, but then I began to pray and we began to do a dive in on how we get there. And this is what it looks like. Here's the plan. Right now, we've been talking a lot about people in our church who aren't giving, who call this church their home, beginning to prayerfully and consistently give something. That goes a significant way because when a bank looks at a church for giving them a mortgage loan, they look at the number of people that are giving. And so giving units matters to a bank. We have a very, had a very low number of giving units in comparison to the adult attendance at our church. And so one of the big parts of this campaign has been getting people consistently up to place of giving something consistently. So we want to increase our budget. Uh, most banks will give you three times your annual budget, three to four times your annual budget in a bank loan. So we, need, we know that our budget's got to increase by $150,000 annually. Uh, our growth has increased to where it should be in the house already. It's just a matter of people prayerfully and consistently choosing to give and make margin. Currently in our building fund, we've set aside $289,000. We also are adding 3.5% of our weekly tithes and offerings into that building fund because we're not going to tell you to get your financial house in order and sacrifice with us with not being willing as a unit, as a whole, to be doing the same thing. On top of that, we've already put aside 90 days of savings so that we have a fully funded emergency fund for the church so that we can put more and more money that's increasing monthly to our building fund. We're in a capital campaign that's going to take off on the 29th of October. And we're asking and inviting you to take the next 30 days with us and pray about what God would have you potentially do in part with that campaign. If you're not giving anything currently, but you call this church your home, and we want to invite you to consistent and faithful giving. That would be your step. It would make a huge difference because you're another person who's supporting the ministry and the work and the efforts through your finances and giving an offering regularly to God through your giving. For some of you, you're giving already. I want to tell you thank you. We're here and we're in the position that we're in because you've given faithfully and prayerfully to your local church. And I want to invite you into something that my wife and I are doing. 
my wife and I are getting ready to sacrifice. And it's been a heck of a spiritual battle. I told my wife on Tuesday, on Tuesday of last week, there's three things we can't do in the next three years financially. She said, what's that? I said, we're not going on an extravagant vacation. <laughs> we're not going to buy a new car. Uh, and we're going to have to cut down on like our luxury expenditures. So like my Ben Folds concert a couple weeks ago might be my last one for a while. Uh, no one? Okay, my point. Zach and Sarah, check it out. It's a great song. My point. We talked about it. That day, my wife, on the 17-year anniversary of her father being in a car wreck and dying, was in a car wreck that totaled our van. (laughs) So I'm like, well, great, Lord. How's this work? Can I just rip the bumper off, take the money, give it to the church, like reconnect the gas line myself, and we'll just drive her around for a bit, you know? Uh, It's tough. Like, I guarantee you, if you step into a season of sacrificial giving, It's probably going to be tested by an unforeseen negative financial event. Oh, and then we got a $1,200 dental bill because our dental insurance doesn't cover whatever we just did. So, ah, isn't that lovely? Here's my point. If you're already giving, we would invite you into prayerfully considering giving above your current giving for a period of up to three years. And on October the 29th, bringing in your best sacrificial upfront gift and an offering that we're going to take up that's going to go straight to the down payment of this building. Our aim is to raise a million dollars. Whether that takes one day or three years, we're going to raise a million dollars. And in doing that, it'll give us the down payment we need to go and get a bank loan so that we can move from renting to having a mortgage next door. Yeah. Here's here's the thing. Uh, If 200 people come in on the 29th and get $5,000, we've already got the down payment. It's done. 200 people, 5K, we're done. For some of you, like, that's a ton of money. For some of you, like, that's not a lot. That's why we're asking you to pray. Would you pray about what God would have you give? Would you ask God to set a standard of generosity for you? And then together, let's see what God does when we take this step of faith next door. Tracking with me? Take your book home, review it, pray over it. We're gonna hand out pledge cards to everybody to think and pray over in the weeks to come. Let me be very clear. Because for some of you, I know you have PTSD from experiences like this in the past. You are never going to be guilted into doing this. This is a joy. It is an opportunity for us to do this together that call this church our home. It is not an obligation. Next week's sermon, it's not about giving. It's not about money. It's about faith. It's about us walking and living in faith. The sermon after that is about sacrifice. It's about us living a life that's willing to sacrifice to God. I want you to hear that because I don't want you to think that this is going to be a fundraising campaign for the next three weeks and you don't want to be here. We are going to continue to grow in our faith. We are going to preach the Word of God. and We are going to worship Jesus week in and week out as we gather together because that's what got us through the next door, or to this door that's going to bring us to the next door that we're going to walk through together soon. Are you tracking with me? All right. Our prayer team is going to come up. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. But we've seen God move. And in faith, we believe that He desires to move in your life. If you don't have a relationship with Him, we would like to invite you to come forward and talk with someone about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus today. Now, let's stand to our feet. You move as the Lord leads. Amen.